This is Purple Radio On Demand. Hi, and welcome to this week's DST podcast with me, Izzy Flower. Me, Matt Redmond. This week's episode is sponsored by Sunducks. Enjoy your trademark-free coffee right here. So this week, as I'm sure you're all aware, there have been a ton of shows going on. Unfortunately, we had to take a break last week. Matt was incredibly busy. I was incredibly ill. Just couldn't make it work. But there's been matters on this week, and it's been really interesting, actually, to see just the mix of things that are on. There's, there's like, comedy cabarets. There's musicals. No. There's new writing. There's so much just, like, in DST and around DST. It really does kind of show the sort of thing that everyone's capable of. I mean, it's just, like, you know, there's always a part, especially around second term, where you're just going to get a bunch of shows. I remember last year it was about three musicals in a week. Um... This one, I think, has been a bit more spaced out because everyone sort of realised from last year that that wasn't very sustainable, especially with tech. But, you know, th- th- things have sort of come about and we've got loads of really cool shows up. So, along those lines, we're interviewing three shows today. There's the new writing Bank by Tom Murray, which is coming up first. Then Dulog's Dogfight. And finally, Grease, which is already getting rave reviews. So we're going to chat to all of those and sort of see what we can discover about what's on this week and next week. On with the show. And first up, we're talking to Bank, suffragette theatre company written by Tom Murray. This is the summary. The food bank sits like a war bunker, an abandoned city of tins and boxes trapped in a ceaseless cycle of poverty. In the past, lords would give tiny amounts of the starving poor as acts of charity. Power was disguised under the veil of charity. The almsgiving parish of old is replaced by the modern food bank, the church of the modern day. The Oxfordshire Rising is relived and the tins are out of date. Spicy. It's a good synopsis. Oh, oh thank you. <laughs> so what was your basic inspiration behind writing this? Um, I did some volunteering at a food bank a couple, um, about a year and a half ago uh, in a town near me. I basically... But I knew I kind of want, I wanted to write a play about this because I realised that I hadn't seen anything really on this topic. I mean, I'd seen the film I, Daniel Blake, which kind of generally tackles austerity and uh, poverty in this country, but I hadn't seen like anything specifically attacking tackling the issue of the food bank. And when I was there, a lot of what I found shocked me about the way in which it it functions as a thing. It's very much a there's kind of a a slight uh, there's a culture of secrecy around it because it's those who are reliant on it don't want it don't it, they don't want that to be known because it's of course uh, it's embarrassing to be uh, thought that um, or there's someone who is uh, unable to sustain themselves and um, and I think that's awful because of course it should be look at how unjust this system is but no one hears about it because uh, it's because um, it's basically kept quiet by the very system itself. And so I thought um, I, so I, this would be kind of a, a good setting to set something, a kind of absurdist play that tackles the slightly philosophical uh, problems that the, the system poses. I went to a lecture on the return, uh, <laughs> on my return back to uni um, after doing some volunteering. And the lecture was on this event called the Oxfordshire Rising, which was a failed rebellion against uh, the, like, the land that was being taken and the hoarding of corn. And yeah, it was about these this couple of figures. One of the one of the characters was called uh, Bartholomew Steer, who is the lead in our show, played by Ben Smart. And uh, he uh, tries to stage a rebellion, but only about I think a couple of other people turn up on this hill um, because there's a there's a bit of a mix up in the dates. And so subsequently they get caught. 
and killed as a consequence. Um, and and yeah, it's a kind of story of futility against this. Uh, it was during a period of mass starvation, and and so it was it was kind of a story of how there was a social injustice, but nothing was ever <laughs> done about it because there was a miscommunication. There's this kind of um, this inability to really for people to really understand the topic because it's in some way um, because uh, failed lines of communication and it's the perfect kind of story of futility. Um, so I thought it, it'd be there are so many parallels between this particular period and the way in which the politics of poverty and charity functioned and today's new rise of the food bank phenomenon. And so I thought I'll take this story and I'll move it into the modern day and I'll make an absurd display about it. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much how I got there. Um, but yeah. That is what you did. That is what I've done. <laughs> Uh, so, Ben, what would you say is the uh, the difference between acting as something student-written and something that is, like, already written by... Something, something that's got, like, more of a, like, a history history mm. behind it, like a literary history? Uh, well, the, the beauty of it is that the the director is the writer. Uh, so the fact that um, we, that Tom is helming it and it was his original vision is what gives that all the power to it because it's a creative process. We've all been contributing it together uh ben cartwright's been a great assistant director also it, it means that we can come to different decisions through the creative process there which is great yeah it's kind of it's kind of an open uh process in the sense that i i don't, I don't want it to be uh, by any it's led by me but i want it to be a group effort um in the sense that I, if people have funny ideas or have an idea that they think works or they think no hang on that this would look better like this i don't want to say oh no uh, I, I want it to be a kind of consensus um between the group um, because i think that's all that also yeah i don't think that i will necessarily have all the best ideas so i think and there are some some very uh, clever and talented people in my cast so it'd be silly for me not to listen to them there's also no precedent set of how the part should be played or might otherwise be played which is always refreshing you've got nothing to go on in terms of that's partly laziness in my because <laughs> <laughs> um, it's totally our own parts to to mold and define so that's great did you feel there were any because obviously it's combining both quite a significant historical event and quite significant modern events mm. did you have any challenges in kind of putting those two things together and then treating it in an absurdist way that was simultaneously funny and you kind of feel you need to be respectful at the same time yeah, I, I, at no point, yeah, I, I was very conscious of the fact that I never wanted to trivialise the issue. Everything that is, I think, silly about the play is is silly in a harrowing way, I like to think. So people would laugh, but then immediately feel very uncomfortable after they laugh. <laughs> um, hopefully that's the, that's the vibe. Uh, it was very kind of emulating, the, the, very much emulating the kind of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern and Dead, uh, Waiting for God, vibe, where you love, a scene is seems um, seemingly innocuous and silly, but then actually think about it and actually actually know that was really quite nasty. <laughs> and and so I, I wanted, yeah, I very much wanted to tread carefully along those lines. Um, I also didn't, I was also very careful that I was creating an absurdist piece and not just um, trying to, I just tr suppose, emulate the real environment um, because I, but personally, I don't feel feel like I can fully capture the real environment. I've only ever worked there briefly um, in, and volunteered there briefly, so I can't comment on what um, it's truly like. And I think it would be offensive for me to do so because um, I'm by no means an expert. And so I just, so yeah, I, I thought actually the only way I can really talk about this is using it um, taking it from the perspective that I have, which is one of a history student uh, I, um, uh, who also loves drama. 
um, at um, and and kind of use my ability to see parallels between certain periods of history and my love of things like absurdist literature, like merge them together. Because I thought that was the most genuine uh, way to tackle the issue. Okay, so uh, to finish off, we're going to give you guys a challenge. It's always extra fun with us two people, but uh, we need you guys to pitch your show to Durham audiences in thirty seconds. Oh, Jesus, um, it's okay. a roller coaster of eighty minutes. Uh, uh, but uh, hang on a minute. Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a right. timer. There's a timer. Sorry, there are rules. I didn't. I didn't really say anything. Also, eighty minutes is optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But the first thing we could tell them is a lie. Uh, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. You, you, Set, go. It's a riveting roller coaster of roughly 80 minutes with an all star cast who've all been in DST before, so you know that they're good. The prod yeah. team is amazing, the venue is even better. And uh, yeah, I'll let you take over. Yeah, so the cast are, um, are phenomenal. The um, like, uh, I, it's about a really important social issue that I think everyone can really benefit from thinking more about. And I uh, really hope for everyone. Please. And <laughs> that's all we have time for. Congratulations. Are you gonna do you want to do a round of applause? I was just gonna do a clap, but clearly that was not the vibe. Well, I, <laughs> what going for. Yeah, well, when you've got an audience of two people, it's not much of an applause, but I'm sure everyone at home is applauding right now. Oh, yes, the, the five people that are to this How dare you? It's definitely an even six. <laughs> <laughs> Bank will be on tomorrow, Sunday the first of March at 2 30 and 7 30 p.m. So we're here with Millie Blair, uh, director of Dogfight. Wow. 1963, San Francisco. A group of young Marines are out for one final night of debauchery. Cruel bets entwine their lives with an awkward wit, Rose. Through tricks played, Rose grows into the heroine we all need showcasing compassion and love. Adapted from the River Phoenix film of the same name by the genius behind Dear Evan Hansen, the second Paul's dogfight received rave reviews. Yeah, uh, so what can you tell us about sort of the themes of this musical then? So it's quite a contemporary show. I mean, it's set in, 1960, in the 1960s, going into the 70s um, with the Vietnam War. The majority of the show is set before um, the six Marines head off um, to Vietnam. So it's set there in their final night. Um, they are hosting this party where they have to bring um, the ugliest date they can find and they win um, a jackpot prize from that. So the kind of themes we're talking about here are uh, there's the camaraderie between um, the Marines that's a really important aspect of the show for us um, and showing the humanity through that as well as how much they kind of disrespect these women. And then what we've really tried to pull through is is just the strength from Rose that is quite unassuming, but it really pulls through um, throughout the show. And yeah, just kind of this uh, level of naturalism and uh, we've made some quite stylistic choices in the movement and choreography for this show that we're trying to um, highlight there as well. So yeah, it's all coming together quite nicely, really. So a lot of people will know the composers of this from Dear Evan Hansen, which was obviously an incredible smash. Absolutely. So how does this kind of compare to their other work? Have you taken any techniques from loving the other musicals and brought it into this? <laughs> I love some plastic and for me. I love I love Evan Hansen. I love The Greatest Showman, La La Land, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's the music is very typical of them. You can tell that they composed this show. 
Um, it's absolutely beautifully written. It's for a small band um, with, you know, one violin, one cello, bass, drums, keys, like it's, and guitar. It's very typical of them. And the, the vocals themselves, are, they're very difficult. We've got some, the boys are singing some extremely high notes in this show, um, but they're doing a fantastic job. Um, our MD, Honor, and our AMD, Sarah, have been absolutely fantastic with working with the cast on a vocal level. Um, we had our sits probe the other day. Um, and it's sounding great, very exciting. Our band are absolutely awesome. Um, so yeah, we're it's very contemporary music, quite poppy in some ways. Um, our cast are, are really thriving in that. They're they're doing a fantastic job in really bringing out that musical quality. Um, so obviously, like since it's about six marines and stuff, the the cast the casting is predominantly male. But I hear that you're doing cross-casting. We are indeed, <laughs> yes. Um, so we have we have six playing male marines, but we have two that are biologically female, mm -hmm. uh, Bella and Lily. And we were very, um, we were looking for something very specific when we were casting this show. Um, myself and Lydia, directors, we were looking for a real level of naturalism in the way that our marines are able to perform on stage um, and the ability to really gel as a six because they have to be like brothers, you know? And yeah, the two the two girls that came through, they are doing an absolutely phenomenal job. Like, it's so believable because on a vocal level, um, because some of these harmonies are like so high, these boys are having to belt up like B naturals, which is just mm. insane, right? In a, on a logistical level, it's a lot better for us because it means that the lads can kind of take some of the lower harmonies and the, the the musical quality is retained and it's to the highest caliber that we can do it. Um, but also it just, it gives these girls a chance to, you know, really step out of their comfort zone and, and do something different. And I don't think that it, I, in fact, I think it adds to the, the creative quality of the show. They're so impressive, so impressive. Yeah. And sort of, uh, uh, obviously G-Logs just had their massive gala show, mm. which was a big success that you kind of moved from something that's massive scale onto what is basically a small scale, as you've already said, tiny orchestra, tiny cast. Yeah. What have been the challenges of sort of moving from those two things and what's different about working in a smaller show? It could not be any more different, I think, because we have a gala, which is, you know, 30 people in the cast, 30 people in the band. We have our, our pre-season where we have, you know, a week of just like nine till six every day rehearsing. Whereas this is, we're putting it on in, in less than four weeks with 11 people in the cast. And again, yeah, a really small band. It's a completely different process. Um, time management has been something that has not been uh, on our side because <laughs> uh, summative season is very much looming. Um, but yeah, um, it's been a really lovely process to work with such a small cast because you, you can really delve into the true meaning behind the show, work together to create something as an ensemble. I wouldn't say it's been kind of like a prog team telling the cast what to do processes, but it's been really kind of collaborative. Um, this is my first time directing in Durham, so I feel a, a little bit of imposter syndrome going on. And it's been amazing just to work with such a, a kind, supportive cast. Everyone's really kind to, to each other as well and, and really lifting each other up throughout it because we are treating some difficult themes, especially for the girls. And it's really, really great to see how much everyone's bonded because you can't you can't do that as much with a 30 person cast. Um, and as much as Oklahoma was this huge spectacle and brilliant, so much fun, this is so different, but 
so brilliant in different ways. All right, great. So we uh, we have a challenge for you. Um, once again, someone does not know this challenge, which means that they have not been watching the previous episodes of the uh, podcast. Oh, busted. <laughs> um, we need you to pitch your show to Durham audiences in 30 seconds. Oh, God. Okay. Okay, I've got a timer here. Okay. Ready? Three, two, one, go. Okay, so Dogfight is presented by Pasek and Paul, who are the writers of Dear Evan Hansen, The Greatest Showman. It's a show set in San Francisco. We have six wonderful Marines who are on their final night of debauchery before they head off to the Vietnam War. Um, the choreography is exciting, it's vibrant, it's stylistic. We have some phenomenal actors um, who are doing an absolutely fantastic job working together. We have a 5 4 three, two, one. No, you're kidding me. The music is amazing and it's just a wonderful show. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all we have time for. Uh, <laughs> um, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. You're very well. Thank you. Um, Dogfight will be in the Assembly Rooms Theatre on Wednesday the 4th of March, Thursday the 5th of March, Friday the 6th of March, and Saturday the 7th of March at 7.30pm with a matinee on the Saturday. Okay. <coughs> so now we're going to introduce Lauren, who is the director of Grease. It's 1959 and the T-Birds and Pink are ready for their senior year at Rydell High School. During the summer vacation, greaser Danny Zuko fell for Sandy Dombrowski in a whirlwind romance that neither of them thought would last. When they unexpectedly discover they're now attending the same high school, will they be able to rekindle their relationship? Or is Danny more worried about maintaining his tough guy reputation? So what would you say the uh, the rehearsal process has been like so far? I mean, obviously you've put on the show now, yeah. but what was the rehearsal process like? Well, we had just over six weeks of rehearsal, so we came back at the beginning of epiphany term and first week was auditions callbacks and we had the first rehearsal on the Sunday of first week so it's quite intense thrown in the deep end I think um but we kind of tried to make it not too intense for the whole six weeks um and have three rehearsals roughly a week and tried not to make them last too long and but obviously Greece has so many songs and dance routines in it that somehow you've got to compress all of that into a really short rehearsal time um, and then obviously, like any show, Prod Week is kind of the moment where everything gets pulled together and all the kind of different elements from dancing and acting, singing to set and costumes that somehow create a full show. We kind of, we kind of very rarely, because normally we, we, we had to take a break last week, so that's why we didn't um, manage to do most of the plays that were on this week. But um, like, we very rarely get directors in when they're like kind of already through Prod Week, or at least yeah. like, I mean, the end is definitely in sight. Um, but like, how do you, how do you feel about that? Like, just as an interesting perspective for the podcast, like. I think compared to the other shows I've done, we had a relatively calm prod week, um, not to jinx it, but <laughs> everything kind of went quite smoothly. Um, and we were really lucky to get into Cadman on the Sunday. So we kind of almost had an extra day in the venue to kind of get things sorted. Um, but yeah, it was, the teams were great and we managed to pull it off. And yeah, the end is in sight, two more shows, but. The bulk of the hard work has been done now and they just the cast kind of need to relish this moment and get the receive the praise that they deserve. Has there have there kind of been any specific challenges in A doing a big musical and B a musical like Greece that everyone like everyone knows in some capacity, even if it's as the film or as the original musical or like high school musical, which is basically Greece. But like sort of what's been the process of balancing having to do a massive musical with it being one that everyone knows? Yeah, I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head. It's walking that fine line between you have to achieve the traditional and fulfill the expectations that the audience walks in with, whether it is from the film or the original musical. But then at the same time, 
you have to have that space to put your own stamp on this version and allow the cast to not be doing imitations of John, John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John. They need to be kind of inhabiting the character. Um, and also that was kind of helped by the version of the script that we had because it incorporates the film songs, but it also incorporates songs that were in the original musical that didn't make it into the film. So it's kind of an amalgamation of the two. So it's not a complete copy of the film. And it gives that chance that the audience come in, they hear all the classic songs like Summer Nights, Grease Lightning, you're the one that I want that they know and love, but then they turn up and there's a couple of extra fun songs thrown in and it kind of gives their supporting characters um, a chance to have some really cool solos as well. And what's kind of been the process for developing chemistry with the cast? Because there's a lot of like, Friend, big friendships and then little relationships and big relationships and sort of what's been your process for that? I think from the beginning, just with casting, we did try and pair people up in casting and see how they read together. Um, but actually, a lot of it has been so natural, like especially the boys as the T-Birds. They just, I don't know, they just instantly gelled and in rehearsals we would be like, okay, we're going to go have a tender break, go and get a drink everything and they would all like huddle in the corner and be like we're gonna rehearse Grease Lightning again and they'd be like every single break doing that and just having a laugh and having fun with it and I don't know we've just everybody in the cast has kind of been really friendly and sees it as a team effort so I think none of that um chemistry or relationships had to be forced they were just kind of naturally there which was super helpful. Okay um and so sort of like to re reiterate on like sort of the high school musical point because like people at the time sort of said that it wasn't like it's very much a feel good musical that portrays that sort of time in like school life uh, it's very idyllic and very fancy like Greece is very much the same like I think the fifties were a very different time than the way that Greece sort of makes it out to be but is that necessarily a bad thing or do you think it's something that sort of like is great about the musical Greece is that it creates this sort of dream world as, as, as it were in some senses but also shows some of the real parts of it yeah I think so I think because obviously you can't take Greece as a piece of realistic yeah. theatre or drama in any way shape or form like especially um, the script that we have is very you know jokey and cheesy and I think that the way that we decided to play it as you know myself and the other assistant directors and what collaborating with the cast is you know to kind of really go all in on that and play it over the top and we know that the jokes are cheesy but we're going to push it to the absolute maximum um so I think yeah you can't take it as too realistic but at the same time it also has to be believable to a certain extent that the things that are happening you know make a full plot line and could actually potentially happen um but most of the actual kind of plot points are kind of arguments and misunderstandings between people and I think that that's um, you know, a very relatable thing that happens every day, whether you're in high school or university or wherever. So, okay. Yes, it is time for the challenge. So, for so everyone we bring on, we get them to basically have to explain your show and promo it in 30 seconds. Okay. And we have a yes. timer. Indeed. Are you ready? <laughs> so, three, two, two one, one, go. Well, come down tonight or tomorrow night and see Grease. It has all your classic favourites, Summer Nights, Grease Lightning. You're the one that I want. Um, if you want to escape from summative season, now's the time to kind of slip into 1959 and take a break for a bit. Um, and um, I don't know what else to say. Um, our amazing cast and crew are going to be pulling off this like epic show. And 
I'm running out of time, so I'll wrap up there. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all we have time for. Thank you so much Thank you so uh, for much being for on the show. Um, hopefully, if this episode is uploaded in time, you still have time to go see the Saturday performance of Greece, which is at seven, which is at seven thirty in Cadman Hall in Hillbead, which is, which is seven thirty in Cadman Hall in So go ahead and see it if there are any tickets left. And if you uh, and if this podcast doesn't go out in time, we hope you all did go and see it because it literally <laughs> sounds amazing. Yes, indeed. Uh. <laughs> Yay! Thank you. Wow, those were a bunch of cool interviews. Weren't they just, Matt? Ah, oh, so cool. Never never cooler. So thank you to everyone for listening, and thank you to all of our guests, a lot of whom turned up on short notice. And we hope that you go see some of the shows that we've advertised, and that you've seen some of the other great stuff that's been on this week, and last week, and indeed Time Memoriam. Like so- and subscribe. You can't do any of those things, but I think you can subscribe. So- Apparently you can subscribe. Subscribe! Thank you to everyone for listening at home and tune in next week when we might have a little bit of a restructure. But just remember, we'll always be here. Me, Izzy Flower. Me, Matt Redmond. On the DST Podcast. Purple Radio Podcasts. Thanks for downloading this Purple Radio Podcast. For more great content and to listen live, head to purpleradio.co.uk.